Hello guys, it's Jared Mizrak from Double FM Sports here before this episode. I just want to say that we were having some connectivity issues, so through the first little part, there is a little bit of noise and occasionally a little bit of cutting out. We do apologize, but there was nothing we could do about that, so please enjoy this episode of Double FM Sports number 61. Hello everyone and welcome back to Double FM Sports. I'm Ethan Fager. And I'm Jared Mizrak. And today we are joined by former NAU cross-country runner, Tyler Day. Tyler, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. All right, so first of all... Sorry, did you you say something? Sorry. Oh, no, no, no. You're good, you're good. So first off, when did you start getting into running? Um, I got into running about when I was like in sixth grade. Uh, I, my friends and I used to play this game called, it's kind of sad because we were, we just went through a pandemic, but it was called infection. And what the basis was, it was like tag. And so like, let's just say I'm the tagger. If I tag you, both of us would be it. So it'd be like a virus that would spread. Again, probably not the best name during this stage, but that's what we called it. And uh, every single time I was always like the one I could run for a while. And then my sister is two grades above me. And in, and when she was in junior high, the junior high had a kind of a, a lot of people went out for the uh, uh, cross country team. And so she told me there's a sport where people get to run a lot and I should try it out. And so uh, I did and I fell in love with it. What, what, would you, what would you say is your favorite part about the uh, sport of running? I think I, I think my favorite part about the sport of running, I think there's two two things for me there. One, it's uh, it's fairly cheap to get into because uh, in all reality, all you need is just a pair of shoes. Um, for most sports, you know, you need other, you know, if you're going to be a hockey player, you got to have, you know, the hockey pucks, you got to have the sticks. If you're going to be a goalie, that's more stuff on top of that. For a baseball player, you got to have, you know, cleats, the pants, uh, the gloves. If you're going to be a catcher, you got to have more gear on that. Football, you know, the helmet, the whole nine yards, basketball, ball, and everything. For running, you just got to have a pair of shoes. And a specific shoe, like all through high school, I got my shoes at a famous footwear, all my running shoes. So, and this seemed to work out for me. And then... I think the second part of that question for me would be that it's kind of a, it's, it's a really good equalizer, you know, it's just like, it doesn't matter yeah. how big you are, how small you are. Cause a lot of sports like for basketball, like, you know, side matters for football, same thing too. A lot of these sports it's really uh, size driven. And for me, I'm not that big of a guy. I, I'm at 5'11 and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not that swole. <laughs> I'm kind of a twiggy individual, kind of a lanky. I look like Slenderman in the flesh, essentially. And so, um, yeah, I think for me, it's just everyone could get into it. It's a good workout. And it's, it's something that you could continuously to do for your life, you know. Um, I mean, I even when I'm done with this as a professional, I still want to do, like, community runs. And I still want to get a good workout well within, like, my older age. So I think it's just timeless as well and easy to get into and kind of hard to get discouraged not to join in, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what does your training look like right now? Are you just kind of putting in some easy mileage workouts? What's that looking like? 
Yeah, so right now I'm still getting over an Achilles issue that I had uh, arise for me in early December. Um, and so right now uh, I'm, I'm dealing with that. So right now I'm going on walks. Uh, so I'm really envious of all those hobby joggers out there because I wish I was in their shoes. Um, but I should be gearing up for door season uh, slash uh, just track season. So I'll probably have a really good day stuff during the winter, but try to carry on my fitness from cross country, essentially. All right. All right. So obviously you're, you're a professional runner. How does it feel to be able to say that you're, you know, you're a professional at uh, the sport of running? You know, oh, you graduated. I said, yeah, surprisingly, and they, they laughed, and I'm like, sweet. So the joke hit, and like, oh, so what do you do for a job? And I told them that, like, I'm a, I'm a distance runner, and I kind of get some looks. And so uh, I'm right with it, but I'm trying to get used to that title. Uh, it's it's really weird to see myself or hear myself say that I just for a job. Um, but it's it's I'm I'm happy. I'm living the dream. This is what I've always wanted, and um, I'm very grateful to be able to get a job, you know, as a professional runner during a time where it's really hard to come by jobs. So very fortunate, very happy, but still getting used to the title. Yeah. How was your transition from, you know, high school to college and now pro? So my transition from high school to college, it was a, it was a big step. Um, I thought I was pretty good in high school, but my college teammates beg a differ. Um, I mean, for me, I, I came into college with times of uh, 420 for the mile and 928 for the two mile. And, uh, and for me, you know, I, I was coming onto an NAU squad, which uh, the year before I was going to come into NAU, which was 2015, uh, they just got, uh, I believe they just got second in the nation or fourth in the nation. It was one of those two, they podiumed and they're losing a lot of uh, seniors. And so for me, I was seeing I was going to get redshirted or uh, try to get developed then. But um, training wise, I was just pumping out the mileage. Like in high school, I did 25 to 35 miles a week all through freshman to senior year. And uh, and yeah, and a lot of my workouts were like effort based. And I came into college and Coach Hines, the coach at the time, was just like, hey, let's bump you up to 70 miles a week during my freshman year. And that made a huge difference. And with us having a weaker squad my freshman year, I was kind of thrown to the wolves, so to speak. And kind of thrown in there on the varsity squad and uh, kind of saw and uh, you know if, if you if you don't have the checkouts it's enough so uh, it's really but I knew it was a work in progress so I try to work off of that and uh, yeah my five years at NAU I seem to progress fairly well uh, I had one track season that I wasn't too proud of my indoor and outdoor season for my fourth year I wanted to capitalize on that. So for my fifth year, I tried to come back and uh, yeah, do better on that. And then uh, COVID came in and hit. And so then I was wondering if I get to stay in NAU or not. And if I am able to go pro. And then when I did have a good opportunity to go pro and it made sense for me to go pro, I took that opportunity. So my transition from NAU to the professional ranks had been pretty painless. Um, it helps that I didn't have to move to a whole entirely different state. I just moved across town. I get to stay in Flagstaff and I'm used to all the trail systems around here. And 
uh, I'm pretty used to the NAC Elite team even before I joined the team because I saw him a lot. And also just having Matt on the team, that definitely was reassuring to you. He told me all about the team and what to expect and stuff. And so, uh, yeah, transition was pretty pretty painless. Uh, the only painful part was my Achilles injury that uh, I have that I'm working through. But, yeah, no, the team's been great and everything. So, yeah, they, they definitely made the, the transition very smooth. So obviously um, you spent four years or five running at NAU. Why, why did you initially choose to go there in the first place? Um, yeah, so when I was getting recruited out of high school, I was getting recruited by NAU, uh, Iowa State, and Boise State. And um, out of those three, NAU was definitely, at that time, was definitely had a really good, had a better team. Uh, Boise State at the time had a men's team that was kind of rebuilding, but had a young core. Uh, Iowa State was still kind of in the running, but they weren't as good as they are now. And then again, NAU just came off a podium finish. And so what I kind of gravitated towards NAU was elevation training. I, I had a running camp up here in Flagstaff, and we got to stay on the grounds of NAU. And I fell in love with the city and just the school is so awesome. And so that was definitely a big selling point. And, uh, and another one was it was just, it was in my, it was in my home state. So um, tuition cost or anything was very low for me. And uh, I wasn't too far from home, even though it was a direct sleep, uh, like a different environment. Where I'm from there's cactuses, it reaches 120 in the summer. Um, you're able to cook cookies in your car in the summer while up here it snows. So that was pretty cool. And we have trees that don't have thorns, you know, they're just pine needles. So. Um, yeah, I definitely like the environment. Um, but yeah, those were a few selling points uh, for me. The team had a great amount of success while you were there. I mean, I followed you guys for pretty much your whole entire career. I'm a cross-country runner, if you didn't know that. but um, So I watched you guys the whole entire time. What was it like to have that type of success? Um, it was It was – it was very interesting. Um, and what I mean by that is um, it definitely has its positives and negatives. So obviously the positives is, is the success, you know, like, uh, I mean, I, I would personally say that I came to NU at the right time. Uh, and because I, I, you know, it, it was just, we just said, yeah, at the right people at the right time. And I'm very fortunate to be there at that time. And so, but yeah, when we won that first national title, it was you know, it wasn't like, oh, it's the first in program's history. It's the first in our school's history. Because uh, at NAU, we have we have a huge banner in our football. Uh, it's it's in the dome. That's where our indoor track is. And it's the uh, it's when we were in NAI school back in like uh, 1958. It was like, oh yeah, Frontier Champions runner-up. So we have a lot of banners for being runner-ups or almost theirs. And we never have one that actually won one, especially that one that says like Division One NCAA. And so to win one, even with the years of them coming close so many times, just over and over again. I think before we won, there was like, I think three or four times that NAU has gotten second and by very close margins, those four times, it wasn't like they were blown out. When to actually hit it for the first time, uh, you could see even alumni that were part of those second place teams are reaching out to us, telling us congratulations. Uh, Ron Mann, the legendary coach from NAU was actually at our race because that it meant that much to him that he wanted to be there to see the first one. So that was like, great. And, and then we won second or third. It was, I was just happy to be done. Like it was, it was very, uh, it felt like we had a lot of pressure on our shoulders. 
and it wasn't like the gratitude of winning it was just the gratitude of we're finally done we don't have to put up with the will they three peter not anymore and so that definitely took a toll it took a toll on me i don't know about all the other uh dudes on the team but yeah it's definitely a positive and negative effect whenever you're uh, successful but um overall i was i'm very grateful to be on those teams and be able to etch my name in nau history for that matter yeah um would you say you have a um, favorite uh, running memory oh man favorite running memory um yeah i have a favorite running memory but it's not a race uh so it's actually it's a short story but it's a funny story it's kind of a crazy story so um i'm back home in gilbert and i'm running on the canals that's my main place of running and it's in the summer and this is the summer going into my freshman year of college so this is when i'm starting to run 70 miles a week and right now i'm running a, a, a 14 mile run that's the longest run i've ever done you know ever in my life and i was you know I, i'm starting to put in the miles and getting used to these 14 mile runs super late at night uh just because in the summer it gets so hot in phoenix that I prefer running at night with the headlamp because it's cooler. Um, it's like 90 degrees, but the sun isn't beating on you. So I would prefer that. So yeah, going out, everything was fine. Did my seven miles, turn around, came back. And I think I was about three miles to go from my house. And I look and it looks like someone has this huge bonfire. Now the canal is lined with these, with houses. And there's a brick wall that separates the houses from the canal. And so it looks like there's a bonfire in someone's backyard. And that doesn't make sense because it's 120 that day. It's 90 degrees at night. There's no way you're going to have a bonfire in Arizona. And as I got closer, uh, there's bridges that crisscross the canal sometimes. One of them was a railroad bridge. I was full of like, that's all wood. Well, when I got closer, that bridge was like on fire. Like it was engulfed in flames. When I went out, everything was fine. Nothing was on fire. Came back. There's a bridge just engulfed in flames. And I was like, okay, this is crazy. I thought I was seeing something. I wiped my eyes and nope, the bridge is still on fire. And I was hit with two decisions. I could either run and try to notify someone close to my house, but I could run the risk of someone thinking I started the fire and I was running away from the scene, or I could try to find help around me because I was looking around and no one was outside. And you and there's black smoke going into the air. That night, so you can't see the smoke. So finally, I, I get together. So I'm jumping up and down. I have my shirt off, so I'm glowing. Like there's no way that they can miss me because I'm that pale. And um, and they looked at me. I was like, "Hey, there's a bridge on fire. Can you call the fire department?" And one of them had the nerve to say, "Well, why don't you call them?" It's like, well, if I had my phone, I would totally call them, but I didn't. And so I was like, "Can you call for me?" They said, "Yeah." Well, when I was on my way home, I see a fire truck going that way. I told my parents about it. They didn't believe me. I told my friend about it. He was like no way and then the next day on his news station it made headlines that local uh bridge was engulfed in flames and uh i was like yep i was a part of that but not in that sense but yeah that's that's kind of one of my favorite memories that yeah i was just running and stuff was just being lit on fire i guess yeah that is one heck of a story um so, you know, there are probably people that look up to you right now, but who is somebody that you looked up to when you were coming through the ranks of running? Yeah.
the scapegoat and everything. I appreciate that. So I would say Prefontaine was one of them. Um, another one was uh, growing up, uh, he's not a runner, but one of the people I looked up to ever since I was a little kid, his name is Pat Tillman. Um, he's really popular for us uh, Arizona representatives or people from Arizona. But for a lot of uh, Reader's Digest version of him, uh, he was a football player. He played for Arizona State University and he played the Arizona Cardinals. And he's most notably famous for, uh, yeah, yeah, he had a contract extension for the Arizona Cardinals and he decided to turn it down because he was inspired by the, two, uh, by the 9-11 events to join the military. So he went and joined the military straight from, you know, he, he put down the contract, joined the military and sadly passed away by friendly fire in 2004. But just hearing stories of him being like a wild dude, uh, but still be a, you know, a role model in the classroom, but go hard every single play. I, that really inspired me, uh, you know, try to give it my best effort, you know, for every race and also try to perform in the classroom as well. So he's not a runner role model for that sake, but he was a person I looked up to. And then, um, yeah, obviously being on NAU, I looked up to all the national champions, uh, Lopez Lamont, David McNeil, and, uh, yeah, just everyone that was on there. So uh, I'm mean, even like when I was at NEU, I actually looked up to Matt Baxter, even though I'm taller than him, I did look up to him <laughs> in, a, in a sense. But yeah, Matt was a dude that um, obviously he was a great runner and a really good uh, uh, trash talker. <laughs> but um, he was a really good mentor and he was a really good leader when it came to the point of whenever there was turmoil in the team or everything was going good, he always had the right things to say. And knew the pulse of the team and I kind of wish I had that um had that knack or that gift to you know in a leadership role so yeah those are a few people that I looked up to in the running world um what are your I guess favorite uh, types of runs do you like you prefer like long runs whenever you work out or short runs and then how kind of how do you cover after those types of runs I feel like a day running is better than (laughs) like a day being you know chewed out or having like the word like I feel like if you're running whether it's a bad run or a good run it's a, it's a great run so for me I'm gonna take like the uh <laughs> the blanket statement that, like all runs are great but um I do like long runs especially up here because you have a lot of real estate to work up here in the woods um, but it's so beautiful up here that you can kind of get lost slowly and figuratively um but then I do kind of like the sense of a shorter run but uh, do like in a recovery S. There's a lot of people that there's like a stigma like, oh, I need to rip these runs in order to get better. But sometimes your body's just telling you to chill. And sometimes a four mile run just needs to be chill. So I do enjoy those kind of runs too. Um, but yeah, I would say for me, I definitely enjoy like the shorter recovery runs just because it's kind of like the, as a professional athlete, it's the one run where it's just like, we're not told to do a pace or anything. It's just do what your body tells you and sometimes it's just a crawl but at least you're getting in your miles in and enjoying what you're doing yeah before before a race do you have any pre-race routines that you go through or you have any music that you like to play prior to yeah um i have i i still rock the ipod nano i know a lot of people use their phones or stuff but i have the ipod nano for those younger folks that hear this iPod nano was popular back in like 2008 when it came out it was the first ipod that you could not the iphone the first ipod that you could film movies with um and so that's the ipod of that's my weapon of choice so i have a uh, music still loaded on there by i'm mostly a classic rock kind of guy uh but i've been getting into some like new metal stuff and a lot of hip-hop stuff so for me it's just kind of like i i just 
keep clicking, you know, next song, next song until I find one that hits. And then, uh, yeah, I try to sit there, try to visualize the race in my head, uh, try to see, uh, like if it's a cross country race, yeah, I, I try to see, you know, where the hills are, what I would be feeling during that time, what I would be telling myself, a lot of, like visualization kind of techniques I use. And in the track, it's kind of easy to visualize the track race because you're just going fast and turning left. Uh, but I think it's just kind of telling you to stick to the plan and stuff. And then, yeah, just get on with my pre-race routine with my stretches, with my drills and stuff. And then, yeah, go up there, make sure I get my bib checked in and stuff. And uh, yeah, kind of like the usual routine for any runner that's participating in a race. Yeah, so um, maybe what are some outside of running hobbies? What do you like to do other than running? Yeah, so uh, since quarantine kind of happened, I picked up a disc golf for an activity. Um, it's kind of, I'm in this weird part where when I was a student, my one activity was running to kind of get me away from the grind. But now that my old, you know, activity is now my job, I'm trying to find a distraction from my job now. And so uh, that's disc golf. So I played disc golf for years with my dad, but I really started getting heavily into it now. Um, so I've been been picking up disc golf and then I had my my birthday was recently in December and I'm a big Bob Ross fan and for my birthday my mom got a travel like art supply easel drawer thing so I've been trying to get into some Bob, Bob Ross artwork um, I am terrible so still gonna work on that so so far uh, trying to become the next Bob Ross in the running world but uh, but yeah definitely been picked up disc golf and uh, try to paint like Bob Ross and everything else in between nice sounds like a good combo um you kind of going back to your college days was there a favorite person or a favorite team that you know when you guys were up against you knew it was going to be a fun day yeah totally uh i think the the main answer that people expect me to say is byu and that is true like there was it's you know every single time that we were we raced against byu it's just so hard to get mad at them because they're all so friendly you know like they're really well-mannered compared to everyone else on our team, <laughs> um, but they're just super good and you want to kick their butts. And so, uh, yeah, in the NCAA level, it was uh, BYU. And then for me, it was Colorado. Um, Colorado, they were always a scrappy team that was always there. And, you know, they have a history, a lineage, I would say, of excellence there. And so uh, to be able to compete with them toe-to-toe -to -toe was always, you know, fun. Um, but in conference, it was Southern Utah. For us, Southern Utah was a really big uh, factor for us whenever we try to win conference. There was so many times where races were, or conference champions were uh, crowned just because of like last event where it was like the 5K for outdoors. And we're trying to get as many guys in front of their guys to get points. But yeah, in conference play with Southern Utah, the, the Thunderbirds definitely gave us a run for our money a lot, a lot of times. So uh, yeah, those are definitely people that, you, you, you definitely look forward to, but you definitely don't like being, uh, yeah, being just going at it with them. It was always tough, but it was always fun. All right. So to wrap it up, I got one last question for you. What is some advice that you would give to the youth runners of today? Um, I would say don't get caught up in other people's hype. Like what I mean by that is, we live in a world where, you know, we're, it's, it's ran on social media, right? And uh, I feel like with high schoolers, you know, you have like mile split and they have the, 
high school rankings, like, oh, the best high schoolers right now. And and for us college peeps, you know, you have flow track during that as well as like professional stuff. And I think a lot of that, which I mean, I, I got lost in the hype so many times, you know, I, I was that athlete, I was that runner that was always fact checking myself to see if, you know, if I was good enough or to see if I did have the times or anything. And I think part of it's just kind of like, just, just start marching to the beat of your own drum. Um, and just keep working hard and keep grinding. Um, Cause I know like a lot of people are like, well, how'd you get to NAU? Like, how'd you get so good? And part of it is luck. Part of it is just, again, I was at the right place at the right time. And I think I matured at the right time compared to other people, you know, phys- physical wise. But also I, was, I just worked super hard. Like I was a notorious try hard. Um, you know, I, I, I tried hard at everything. And it came to the point where it was almost kind of like a compulsive thing was like, oh, that's kind of, <laughs> he looks, <laughs> really bad doing it but uh, I just tried hard at everything and try to give it all that I got and uh, so far it's paid off you know I'm, I'm living the dream so uh, yeah don't get caught up in other people's hype and just keep your nose to the grindstone uh, one day it's going to pay off uh, sometimes it's going to be longer than what you think it is but it will eventually lead you to the place you want to go to all right well like I mentioned that was our last question for you so Tyler once again thank you for joining us today Sweet. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. And uh, good, good luck getting over the Achilles and I'll look forward to seeing about your, pro, uh, your rest of your pro career. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right, Ethan, you want to hit with outro? Yeah, let's do it. So for Duffel FM Sports, I'm Ethan Pager. And I'm Jared Mizrak. And we're signing off.